Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. And as Father's Day is coming up, I would like to share with you a live talk I did with Catholic fathers in Erie, Pennsylvania. Before we begin, I'd just like to share two quick things with you. First, the Pope of the family, St. John Paul II, said this, the future of the world and of the church passes through the family. The family is key for the development of our culture, our church, our country. And if you wanted to renew the culture, the church, and the family, I'd couple St. John Paul II's statement with the last words of the Old Testament from the prophet Malachi. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. The key to renewal doesn't begin with fix the kids. It begins with men stepping up to the plate and doing their job as Catholic dads. And that's the way to renew the family. And as a result, what John Paul II so accurately declared, that becomes then the future of the world and the church. Let's go to my talk in Erie, Pennsylvania. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be in the Keystone State. I'm a native of Pennsylvania. I was born in Sacred Heart Hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was born into a Protestant family, became a Protestant minister, but maybe some of the nuns prayed for me after my birth. Who knows? It took a while to take effect, but I'm glad to be back to my home state as a Catholic. Uh, Father Larry wanted me to talk a little bit about men's relationship with women, and I said, there's not a man alive that knows about women. I mean, I've only been married 39 years. What do I know? I had six daughters. What do I know? And two granddaughters. So, but in any case, here it goes. How do you decide who to marry? You got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, and she should keep the chips and dip coming. That's from Alan. He's 10 going on 40. Here's from Kirsten. She's 10. Nobody really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> now, how can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, gets this real easy. You might have to guess based on whether or not they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> what do most people do on a date? Well, Lynette says dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. <laughs> Martin says, he's 10, on the first date, they just tell each other lies. And that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. <laughs> what would you do on a first date that was turning sour? Well, Craig, age 9, says, well, I'd run home and play dead. The next day, I would call all the newspapers and make sure they wrote about me in the dead columns. <laughs> I'm going to be speaking this morning about the call of God the Father to Catholic men. And that call involves three key relationships 
of fatherhood. Most guys tend to think fatherhood, my call to that involves my relationship with my kids. That's true. But that's only one out of three. There are three key relationships involved in fatherhood. The first is your relationship with God the Father, and I'll be explaining why that's primary. The second is your relationship with your wife, because fatherhood and marriage are linked up for guys. And then third, your relationship with your kids. And I'll be speaking briefly on each of those, but I'd like to start with a fishing story that I like to give, but when we were living in Pennsylvania. It was just one week that my dad took my brother and I and we went to Canada for a week-long fishing trip in the middle of nowhere. And it was just a special time, kind of apart from everything, and yet with my dad. And for me, that week was perhaps one of the most special weeks of my life. And I go in, in fact, my books, I, I talk about that fishing story. But what's really interesting is after I gave my fishing story one time, I was in Louisiana. A lot of guys were waiting to talk to me. And this one guy was the very last guy, and he waited a long time to talk to me. And he came up to me with a Bible in his hands. And he said, Steve, I'd like to show you something that's been in this Bible for 25 years. And no one's ever seen it except for my wife. And I realized I was about to see something pretty special. I wondered kind of what it was. This man opened his Bible and it was just a little piece of note paper, like a half sheet of paper. And it was a letter from his dad who was serving in Vietnam. And it went something like this. Very short, very simple. Dear, his name, son, when I get home from here, and I will, I'm going to take you fishing. Love that. Everything I'm going to try to say to you about the primacy of your relationship with God the Father, that man got. He was just an average guy, wasn't a theologian and all of that. But he knew, by the way, I get emails from all over the country because I keep forgetting to say his dad did make it back from Vietnam. Because you remember kids growing up, it was the first TV war. You could watch the evening news and see a war where your dad was fighting. This guy knew that there was a connection, a primary connection, something primal in life, where there's a connection between God the Father. That's why he kept this letter in his Bible. He didn't write a whole book about this, but he knew where to keep it. And there was a connection between his Father and God the Father. And I dare say, this is perhaps one of the most important relationships that there are. I remember when I first started speaking to Catholic men, I was in Colorado, and I was going down the litany of problems that occur in young people, particularly young men, when a dad isn't around. And crime, educational stuff, drugs, uh, misbehavior. And there was a young Catholic psychologist standing in the back. I remember watching him while I was speaking. And afterwards, he came up to me and said, Steve, you know, while you were speaking, in my mind, I went through my entire client list. And every single child that I'm seeing is from a home without a dad. Fathers are important because God has sent these children into the world to reconnect with himself. Christ came, provided the pathway that we can come and reconcile with the Father. The Holy Spirit is at length, but ultimately to find that union with God the Father. And to me, it's very remarkable. I would have never have done this. If I was God, you can be thankful I'm not, but if I was God, I would never choose dads to be so important. I mean, really, us? Key? 
to the future? Yes, because as St. John Paul II said, the future of both the world and the church passes through the family. And if you want to see where the family is going, look for dads. In fact, you're probably wondering what would possess an evangelical Protestant minister to become a Catholic. It was St. John Paul II's little apostolic exhortation, the role of the Christian family in the world. I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor, and in my life, being a youth pastor has influenced my entire adult life, including what I'm doing here this morning, and it's because of this. People said that I was a very successful youth minister, but I was smarter than that. I realized that it, I wasn't the key, that the key was mom and dad. They're the youth ministers, and especially dad. If the dads were on board and leading the family spiritually, I saw that my job as a youth pastor was just kind of help them on the way. Or if it was a bad example of a dad, well, then I tried to minimize the damage. But it was really coming from the home was the key thing. So here's what St. John Paul II said in the role of Christian family in the modern world. This is what tipped me right towards the Catholic Church. I started listening after reading that apostolic exhortation. But he talked about fathers and the call of fathers. If you want to challenge. He said that the role of fathers is to reveal and to relive on earth the very fatherhood of God. That means, particularly if you have little kids at home or grandchildren watching you, it's like you have ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and Fox, all the cameras running while they're awake. And they're taking in images of what God the Father is like. Because you're the closest icon that God has placed on earth to God the Father. For better or worse, that's how it works. To reveal and to relive on earth the very fatherhood of God. The Baptist folks have undergone a really interesting, critical study. They wanted to know who in the family would tip things so that the whole family would become Christians and follow Christ. And it's interesting because in Baptist circles, they spend enormous amounts of money on youth and children. And I believe in that, very much so. But they found if a child is the first in the family to become a Christian, there's only a 3.7% probability that the rest of the family will become Christians. So we're talking about the new evangelism here. We kind of, kind of, okay, where's the lever? What if mom is the first person in the family to become a Christian? Their surveys found out that there's a 17% probability that the whole family will end up following Christ. Now what about that? If dad is the first person in the family to end up following Christ, there's a 93% probability that the whole family follows. This is incredible. This is why I'm here this morning. I don't believe in shooting a shotgun. I like to use a rifle. In other words, I want to be right on target. Who do you target? Who is the key lever? Because if the family is the instrument from which the whole future of the world and the church is going to come, and that just makes common sense, dads are the ones in the family who make this big change. Now, I'm going to read you, I actually know it by heart, a passage that is quoted in almost every Protestant evangelical crusade. It goes like this. It's Acts chapter 16, verse 31. And I'm sure Billy Graham... It was a blessing to many Protestants and Catholics who was buried yesterday. I'm sure in many of his crusades, he would quote Acts 16.31. I was involved in campus evangelism. I would quote Acts 16.31. 
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And it's probably a 10,000 times every year in America. Protestant evangelism. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yet there's something about this verse that's connected to the statistics I just gave you. Because I wish I had a quarter for every time one half of Acts 16.31 is quoted. If you want to do good apologetics, a lot of times if you're talking with a friend, you're not sure where they're going, just slow them down. It says, let's look that up and read that verse in a whole paragraph. It can kind of change things. Now here's all of Acts 16.31. Just put it in context. Paul and Silas were in jail, praising, singing God in the middle of the night. God busted them loose. There was an earthquake. Doors opened, they came out. Back then, jailers weren't reprimanded if somebody escaped. They either cut their neck off or hung them or shot them or something. But it, it was the death penalty. So the guy was about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas says, nope, stop. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You and your household. You see, jailer, you believe. But you're going to have a ripple effect that's going to go right through your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. This is such an ignored verse. By I'm talking about the second half by Protestants. And we have all this talk about the new evangelization. I'll tell you who's the key player. The Baptists figured it out through surveys. And Paul and Silas figured it out in jail. You and your household. And then the next verse. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And that same night, they washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once with all his family. Do you see how it works? It hasn't changed since Paul and Silas's days. Dads are the critical ones. Now, I'd just like to share with you one way to stay close to God the Father. You are the key player, and to be a positive key player, you want to reveal and relive the very fatherhood of God. And I'm going to share with you a way to do it. And first, I'd like to share why. I was looking up Erie before I came up here in a portion of Catholics to the city population. practically fell off my chair. There's a higher percentage of Catholics here probably by everywhere in the world except the Rome. Who knows? You might even exceed Rome. There's so many Catholics. But you know what has changed in our lifetime? The culture has changed. And the culture is so toxic that no longer can a culture of Catholicism keep our young people in the church. 60% are bailing out in their late teens or in their 20s. 60% of Catholic youth. Now, it may be a coincidence, but Sherry Waddell in her book went in and recorded a whole number of surveys. Do you know about the same percentage of Catholic youth either don't believe or don't have or don't even believe it can exist that you can have a personal relationship with God? Listen to me, or else there's going to be a lot of heartbreak in today's world, even in Erie, Pennsylvania. As good as a Catholic culture has been built up here, things have changed in our culture so much that young people aren't going to be carried by the Catholic culture. They need themselves to come into a strong, personal relationship with Christ. And where does that start? With fathers and grandfathers. 
That's where it all starts. And other people follow. Here's straight from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It says in paragraph 104, In the sacred books, the Father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. There's a lot of ways to develop a close relationship with God. I'm just going to mention one, and that's Scripture. Daily experience of Scripture. Just a few minutes a day. In the Scriptures, the Heavenly Father comes lovingly to meet His children and talks with them. Man, this is incredible. That's paragraph 104. This is a prime way you develop a relationship with God. Do you know one of my grandsons has developed a personal relationship with God starting a daily reading of Scripture? Do you know how we got it? Well, it wasn't from me. I just do it. And my daughter watched me through the years do it. And I don't know if she necessarily did it, but when she became a mom, she started doing it. And my grandson came to my daughter and said, what are you doing every morning? She has to get up at five to have a little private time before the chaos begins. She has four young kids. She said, well, I'm just reading a little bit of the Bible each day. Pop-Pop does that too. Well, I want to do that. Three generations. See, this is how Christianity works. If the father, grandfather, you start putting something in motion, it goes down the generations. Now, I want to tell you how powerful this is. I was in the Navy when I had my conversion experience. I realize a lot of people lose their faith in the service. I got mine. I went home, and prior to my conversion experience, I was a prodigal son, just in case you have a wandering son or daughter. Uh, I have great faith that God can do great things in their lives. So, you know. But anyhow, I went home, and my friends were living quite the pagan life like I did. And I didn't realize it, but they had set up temptations for me. Just as I was coming home, they decided to make a betting pot that how long it would take to reconvert me to paganism. And like some gave me 15 minutes. Okay. My best friend gave me six months. And at six months, we pulled over and we're chatting. He was just shaking his head. He couldn't figure out what had happened to me. And he told me what was happening. Because they'd come by with the girls, the booze, the parties and all this. I was just going crazy. But you know how I survived it? This special highlighter. I'm selling them today for $19.95. No. This is what, they didn't have these back then. You want what's called a gel highlighter, not a liquid one. They sell them at Walmart. But what I had done, I didn't know anything, really. Okay? I was just a Navy guy. But what I would do is I would read the Bible... And if there was a point, remember the catechism says the loving father comes and, and, and communicates, talks to his children. This isn't like voices through the ceiling. But at certain times, a particular verse, you're just going to have a connection with. And I would highlight that. Okay? And it might be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or a couple of months, whatever. But if there was another verse that would pop out, I would highlight that. And how I got through my buddy's temptations is that, you know, at that point I didn't think, oh, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. No, it was, it was like going through hell. But what I did is I went and flipped through and read my highlights. And that got me through. So let's say you're on a business trip. That's when guys get in trouble. Okay? And let's say 
you're there, you're by yourself, and, you know, whatever. Let's say a porn temptation comes to your mind, either through the TV or through the computer or your phone. Where do you turn? Do you just kind of look in the air and kind of like, God help me, and don't get me wrong, that's a good thing to do. But how about keeping a small New Testament with you? This is New Testament and Psalms with highlights so that if you're in a situation like that, you have something to turn to to give you just the amount of strength you need to get past that temptation. Do you get this? Now you're going to say, well, how do I get my highlights? I've got two little booklets over on my book table called one Breaking Free, the other Young Men Breaking Free, one's for married guys, one for single guys. But identical at the back of that book, I think it's the most underappreciated part, I have a whole bunch of scriptures. And you can just take those scriptures related to sexual temptation. I won't ask for a show of hands because I know it's 100%. Everybody struggles with sexual temptations, no matter if you're young or old or anywhere in between. So those are scriptures that you could highlight that if you find yourself in tough situations, well, this is a place where you can go to. I also have, believe it or not, a Bible cover because this means you take it everywhere. If you're young and a backpacker, that means you take it with you backpacking. If you're in college and it's raining, you stick a cover on it, you take it with you everywhere. I know a Catholic school, my honorarium for local Catholic schools and speakings, they have to bring a Bible. And they, the kids that didn't have a Bible, they give them like a four or five pound Bible. And I, 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 do you think they'll ever take this with them? When they go to college, well, they, no. Get something you're going to put in their backpacks and keep with them. Now, here's the deal. And probably what was the, one of the largest Christian surveys in the history of the church. You know, most national surveys might only be two or 3,000 people. This was a survey of over 100,000 people. And they found this, that people who had meaningful engagements of Scripture, not just like blah, 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 but trying to just sing a simple prayer of any kind of words and asking God to speak to you through it, developing this personal relationship with God that will get you to heaven and through the toxic atmosphere of the 21st century, just four times a week made a profound difference in people's lives. For instance, guys, married guys, were 41% less likely to view porn who had four meaningful engagements of Scripture a week. Now, this is going to maybe shock you, but three made no difference whatsoever. I don't know why. This is just what popped up. Two makes no difference whatsoever. It seems that, okay, I want to do it every day. I might miss a day here or this or that, but it's a regular part of your life. I think that's where the four times a week comes in. This is something you can do to develop your personal relationship with God. And how do you pass it on? St. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's why fathers are so important. That's why grandfathers are so important. You do something. You don't have to preach real loud about it. You just do it. People watch it. They start imitating it. All right? Let's talk about your relationship with your kids. The best thing that any guy can do for his kids. You think, well, that's, you know, taking the time to go to their games and playing catch in the backyard. That stuff's important. But more important than that is that you keep your marriage intact. That's the critical thing. And I'm not here to come down hard on anybody who's had divorce, and I realize there's divorce guys here. If I had, uh, we have a kind of a modest budget, our organization, but if I had the mon- funds, I would, would like to have a, a, a movie made with divorce guys telling other guys, give this a second chance. 
Give it your best effort. Don't, don't give up on your marriage so easily. And I'm going to share a way to radically improve your marriage. Okay? It's simply this. If you're having difficult times, stick it out for five years. They have found that... And by the way, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I would only do this if your wife was sitting next to you. Uh, you know, how many people have had ups and downs in their marriage? I mean, if you're honest, everybody's hands go up. All Christian marriages have ups and downs. Okay? And they found that a marriage that was self-described as unhappy, if they went five years, no matter if they saw a counselor, talked to a pastor, or went through some marriage class, or whatever they did, or did nothing, they just hang, hung in there for five years, the unhappy marriages, 86% of those five years later were happy. And the very unhappy marriages, I mean the ones really going through the tough times, five years later, 77% of those turned into happy marriages. Let me tell you how this works. Okay, there's ups and downs in marriage. Okay, just kind of nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. All right. Now, if a wife's going through a downtime and the husband isn't, that marriage will probably survive. I'm just kind of condensing a lot of research here in a real simple way. If the husband's going through a downtime and the wife isn't, that marriage will survive. I mean, it can be all kinds of things. A family sickness, the death of a loved one, loss of a job, uh, financial stress, whatever. But here's, here's the rub. When both husband and wife go through a pretty deep valley together at the same time, and the probabilities are that it'll happen towards the end of the first decade of a marriage, the probability in today's world of a divorce is very high. And what is needed at that point is to just get beyond that valley to at least one of the couple can get out of that valley experience. How do you do that? This may shock you, but a mentoring couple, working with a younger couple, going through what I call that double dip, if there's a mentoring couple that will simply make a cup of coffee, invite them over maybe once a month, Listen a little bit, but more importantly, just give them a word of encouragement. Yeah, we went through times like that too. And pray for them. There's an 80% probability that that marriage will survive. This is Steve Wood with Faith and Family. Until next time, you can find us on the web at familylifecenter.net. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.